Let's now turn to Lawsay 39 of the Heidelberg Catechism. We find it on page 555 in the back of the Book of Praise. What does God require in the fifth commandment? That I shall all honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother, and to all those in authority over me, submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline, and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand." Dear brothers and sisters in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. But today we may look again at the fifth commandment, honouring your father and your mother. As we deal with this commandment, as with all the commandments, it's important to see that we're in the third part of the catechism. But why is it significant that we are in the third part of the catechism? Well, we all know We've studied the catechism, that there are three parts to the catechism. The first dealing with our sin, the second with our salvation, and the third with our service, our thankfulness to the Lord. So why should we obey the fifth commandment? To thank God for who he is and what he has done. To thank God for what he has done, particularly in Jesus Christ, in bringing us back to himself. God has rescued you sinful creature to bring him back to yourself and isn't that incredible well then show how thankful you are by also obeying the fifth commandment that's the starting point with each and every commandment let's keep that in mind also when we look and deal with authority this afternoon and now a second question which table of the law Do you think the fifth commandment falls under? Which table of the law does it belong to, the first or the second? When law say 34, you may recall the question how the law is divided. And answers there that the ten commandments may be divided into two parts. The first dealing with our love for God and the second dealing with our love for the neighbor, for other human beings. So which part does the fifth commandment fall into? It's an age-old question. Some have answered by saying that it must belong to the second table of the law. The fifth commandment calls us to honor authorities, human authorities, human beings. And so it's showing love to our neighbor, is it not? These are our neighbors, and so by honoring them, other human beings also benefit. On the other hand... There are also those that place the commandment in the first table of the law. That spreads the commandment more equally. You've got law 
1 to 5, the first, fifth commandment, first five commandments, and the second table is 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. But the real question that underlies this whole issue is, how do we define authority? What is authority? Who is in authority? And it's a question that we will also consider this afternoon. We'll also try to answer some more questions. What does it mean to honour? How far does such honour go? The second point. And finally, also, why is it important to honour authority? What purpose is there in honouring authority? That's in the final point. So let's consider these questions. Honour authority so that you may live long in the land. First, we'll see the object of such honour. Whom should we honour? Secondly, the meaning of such honour. What does it mean to honour? And thirdly, the purpose of such honour. Why should we honour? First, in the object of such honour. Whom should we honour? So the fifth commandment tells us, honour your father and your mother. That's the most basic authority that God has given to us. God brings children into this world with a mother and a father. And children naturally fall under the authority of their mum and dad. But this commandment is certainly not limited to the relationship with father and mother. That's where it all begins, it's true. But throughout the Bible, God commands us to honour other authorities too. Ephesians 6 expands on the fifth commandment and it begins with the basics. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But after talking about that parent-child relationship, Ephesians 6 then talks about the slave and master relationship. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart. Although there are no slaves today, the relationship between slave and master may be carried over into the employer-employee relationship. That's roughly what it was like even though the master, of course, owned the slaves. But still the relationship is there. There is an authority figure with the employer, and the employee falls under a certain authority. The Bible goes broader. Romans 13, which we read together, it commands us there to submit to the governing authorities. And then it even says that all authority is given by God. And this all authority is quite broad. In Hebrews 13, verse 17, it speaks there of our leaders submitting to the leaders with authority, referring in the first place to church leaders. So we see that honor and obedience and submission are characterized in many relationships with parents, bosses, political leaders, church leaders. In fact, the list could go on. School teachers, the principal, supervisors, sport coaches and referees, the police force, judges, and so on. There are authority figures in every area of life. And so the catechism in speaking about the fifth commandment doesn't limit it to only showing honor to parents, but says very clearly that I show all honor to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. We are to honour every authority. Now, authority is something that the people of this world tend to dislike and want to get away from. We see that more and more here in North America. We often hear stories of how authority is abused. 
There's so many stories, for example, of Roman Catholic priests, even Christian fathers, abusing their children and so misusing their authority. There are so many stories of bosses mistreating their workers. There's so many stories of political leaders ruining their countries. We hear of it again and again in Africa. Authority figures are prone to go on power trips. And so it's better not to honor authority. It's not a wonder when God is rejected as the ultimate authority. But then that leads again to the question, what determines who is in authority? Or how far does such, such authority go? Who is the true authority? Authority can be defined as the God-given right to command or rule. The God-given right to command or rule. It can happen that a certain person is overbearing and feels that they should control the situation without really having the God-given command or right to do so. For example, an older sister may say to a younger brother, you have to come inside right away. It's dinner time. She said it as if she was the mother. But when she were to say, mum said that you have to come inside right now, that changes the whole story. Then she doesn't base the command on her own authority, which she doesn't possess, but on the authority of her mother. When someone tells you to do something, that doesn't always mean that you have to obey it if it isn't an authority figure. The question must be asked whether the person has authority in the situation. Does this person have the God-given right to rule? Although children have to obey their adult parents, this doesn't automatically mean that all adults need to be followed. Not all adults have authority over all children. A young child doesn't need to honor and obey any adult stranger. Yes, in a certain way, they need to honor them, respect them. But if an adult stranger were to come up to them and say, hop in the car with me, they shouldn't listen. Parents always have primary responsibility over their children. And children need to submit to the authority of their parents. And anyone else who has derived authority or an authority above that parent in that particular sphere of life. For example, a police, a judge, a political leader, a church leader. Not every person that has authority automatically has authority everywhere. Just because a policeman has authority to pull a judge over when he's speeding... It doesn't mean the policeman has authority over the judge in the law court. So that limits the authority to particular spheres. And so we see that the authority is the God-given right to command or rule. In the story we read from Deuteronomy 21, the parents have the rightful authority over their son. God gave them authority over their son. The parents, they've been appointed by God to discipline their son. This son has to honor his parents. It's God-given. 
But we read in Deuteronomy 21 how a son doesn't listen to his parents. He's stubborn and rebellious. And so these parents in this particular story take the boy to a higher authority, to the judicial authorities in Israel, to the elders sitting in the gates, probably an uncle or a grandfather in that case. These elders have authority over the boys as well as over the parents. They had a right in Israel to command or rule in the case of this young man. They have a right to demand his stoning, even if the parents were to object, because their authority is again higher, under God, representing the judicial system in Israel. But one thing we have to remember, God is the ultimate authority. And all other authority on this earth is derived or comes from God, is given by God. We honor God by honoring a human authority. We submit to God by submitting to those that God has placed over us. In other words, going back to the question, under which table does the fifth commandment fall? Does it not fall better under the first table of the law, showing love for God? Taking it in this way, the first commandment is about the person of God, the second about the worship of God, the third about the name of God, the fourth about the day of God, and the fifth about the authority of God. We submit to God's authority by submitting and honoring the authority of those whom God has appointed over us on this earth. All earthly authority is God's authority. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Romans 13 verse 1. Oh, brothers and sisters, do you wish to honor God in your life? Do you wish to submit to him? Well, let's show that honor and respect for our God by submitting to those whom God has placed in authority. How is this in your life? Do you wish to honor God? Well, then do you honor your parent as children? Do you show honor to the teachers at school? Do you honor the police when they pull you over and tell you not to speed? Do you honor the government and pay them that which you owe them? Or do you try to escape taxes? Do you honor the elders when they come into your home on regular home visits and see them as representing the authority of God? Do you honor the deacons when they try to help you in a particular way? Do you honor the minister as he brings your word, teaches you catechism, or comes to visit you? Do you honor those whom God has placed in authority as you honor God? Our honor of God comes out in the way that we honor those whom God has set over us on this earth. But let's then go to the second question What does it really mean to honor? How far should such honor go? Does that mean we can never disobey authorities because God has put them there? Does it mean we can never disagree with them? We always need to follow them, always need to submit to them? Let's consider that in the second point. What's the meaning? What does it mean to honor? The fifth commandment says, Honor your father 
and your mother. So what does it mean to honor? Well, the word honor in the Old Testament literally means to be weighty, to have weight. To honor someone means to treat, not to treat a person lightly, but with dignity or weight. And so honor includes showing respect, Leviticus 19 verse 3. Not cursing or belittling, Leviticus 20 verse 9. Honoring means prizing highly, Proverbs 4 verse 8. And caring for, Psalm 91 verse 15. It also means obeying and submitting to. Proverbs 1 verse 8 says in this regard, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And so honoring honoring authority also means listening and obeying to the teaching of those who are in authority. And that continues even when parents grow old. Their authority doesn't disappear just like that. As Proverbs 23 verse 23 reminds us, listen to your father who gave you life. Do not despise your mother even when she is old. In fact, 1 Timothy 5 instructs us very careful to take care of our parents even in their old age. That's part of honoring them. And 1 Timothy 5 goes even so far to say, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow, those are strong words. Strong words to remind us to take care of our parents. And although this last rule really only applies to the parent-child relationship, the honor we owe authority also goes beyond the point where we act more adult-like than those authorities do. In 1 Peter 2 verse 18, it instructs slaves, slaves, Submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. And even though this is written in the first place for slaves, that still applies to our authority relationships. We are to honor authority even when we disagree with their judgments. So we certainly see that honoring is a broad term that covers a lot of ground. And so we should not be surprised when the Catechism also uses many terms to describe what it means to honor. The Catechism talks of showing love and faithfulness to authorities. It talks of submitting with due obedience to instruction and discipline. Particularly it mentions good instruction and discipline. And finally talks of having patience with their weaknesses. In Deuteronomy 21, we read of a child who disobeyed his parents. His parents have a right to rule him, to command obedience. But he doesn't follow their instructions. In fact, ignores it and he stubbornly rebels against his parents. It doesn't matter whether the command was a good command for him. He doesn't listen to their discipline. This young man is a drunkard and a proliferate. And that means that the child is extremely immoral and reckless. And these parents clearly try to stop the child, stop the behavior. But the child would not listen. And such disobedience as we find in Deuteronomy 21 is 
typical in the world today. The authorities that do exist are so often belittled, are they not? It's normal in today's society to undermine the government, speak negatively about the governing authorities. Ah, they're no good. Ah, they're always socialistic. Ah, they can't do anything good. It seems normal to mock the police. Ah, police pulled me over again. Ah, why did they come? Teachers and bosses are usually treated no better. It all comes back to the home. Children, are they truly taught by their parents what it means to honor authority? Children in today's world do not honor their parents anymore. They're characterized by rebellion, disobedience. And we're warned of this in the Bible, are we not? 2 Timothy 3, where it says, There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, followed by a long list of things, including disobedient to parents. And this time and age is characterized with disobedience. Characterized with people standing up to authorities, opposing authorities, and going against God's command to honor and obey them, to love and respect them, to even show honor when there is disagreement with authority figures, and to be patient with weaknesses and shortcomings. Well, the question that does remain then is can we never disobey authority? Does it mean we can never disagree with them but always have to submit? Certainly that is not the case. There are many examples in the Bible that teach us the opposite. Just one example, we can think of Joseph. He's under the authority of Potiphar, but Potiphar's wife also has authority over him. But when she calls him to come to bed with her, He gives his reason for not coming, his ultimate reason when he says, how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? There are times when we can disobey the authorities, but we must ask the question when we disobey the authorities, how can we do that? For on the one hand, God commands us to submit to authority even when they're harsh. Well, on the other hand, our Savior clearly opposes the authorities of his day. How do we fit these two things together? Well, brothers and sisters, we must again remember who the true authority is. Where true authority comes from. Which table of the law this commandment falls under. When we put it under the first table of the law, then we know that this is all about showing honor to God's authority. We're submitting to God. And anyone whom God has set as authority simply has derived authority under God. We show love and honor and respect and obedience to God by submitting to those that he places over us. And if their authority goes against his true and ultimate authority, we're no longer loving God. By obeying that human authority, that derived authority. Just consider how the Apostle Paul and John answer, Peter and John rather, answer the Jewish leaders of their day in Acts 4, verse 19. They answer the authorities that demand that they stop preaching about Jesus Christ. 
And they say, judge for yourselves, brothers, whether it's right in God's eyes to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help but speak about what, you, what we have seen and heard. God is the authority. All other authority is derived. So when someone in authority demands something of you that it goes against the will of God, our God, our King, then you have a right. In fact, you need to disobey. When your parents, teachers, the rulers of this country, the policemen, the lawyers... And other authority figures tell you to do something that opposes the truth of God's word. Then we're in fact called to disobey them in honor of God. That doesn't mean we do not show honor. Doesn't mean that we don't show respect. But it means we need to disobey in this matter. As humans, we're always under authority. We can never escape authority. And God is the supreme, the ultimate authority that must always be obeyed. And humans are authorities under God and so must be obeyed as far as they agree with God's authority. And this means we can still honor the lesser authorities, even if we do disagree with them. We need to, after all, as the Catechism says, be patient with their weaknesses. If you disagree with something that your teacher says, you must first ask the question, is what the teacher says against what the Bible teaches? And if we cannot say that it goes against the will of God, then the matter is clearly not that important. We may decide to let it slip through the fingers or raise it, but in a humble and respectful way. Of course, this is straightforward in theory but much more difficult in practice. There are so many circumstances where we disagree, but God gives no clear word about what is right and wrong in that circumstance. Just a few examples. There can be differences in preferences that we have. We like blue better than green and get annoyed that the boss always chooses blue. Or rather, we like green better than blue. We can mention this to the boss, but again, realizing that this is merely preference. And so we have no right to really make a big deal of it. Maybe we need to learn a lesson to put up with others, to be patient with weaknesses. It can also happen that your boss seems to demand too much work of you. It's good to humbly approach the boss and talk about it. We need to put boundaries in place. Now, tendency, our human tendency is to right away complain. Our tendency is to throw honor out of the door and stand on our personal rights. But that's not God's way. He calls us to humbly submit to authority, even if they're somewhat harsh. You can think of the text of Peter again. Even when the boss is not good, not showing honor to you, not nice to you, is harsh, we need to submit. It can also happen at work that you're demanded not to speak about Jesus Christ. The argument goes that it's not professional to avoid speaking, not professional to talk about your faith. That's something of religion. You need to keep it at home. You can keep it in the church, but you can't bring it to work. That rule is made for nurses, for teachers, for many other professions. 
But can you submit to something like that? When you know that obedience to the great King of Kings is that you confess Christ before men. Can we submit to such a rule? When we know that so many people we meet in our day are lost and need Jesus Christ. They have no hope in this life, have no hope in this world. Yet we cannot simply disregard the rule that is set in place. We must fight such rules. We must make clear that we cannot submit to such rules. We must stand up for the honor of our God. When the authorities do not listen to our pleas, then we cannot submit to them in that particular area. And that must be told and must be made clear. When an opportunity arises to talk about my Savior, I'm going to do it. I cannot do otherwise. I have a higher authority than you in my life. Brothers and sisters, we are called to honor authority. And that means we're called to submit to them, respect them, love them, even when they act harshly. But the only time we can outrightly disobey them respectfully is when they oppose the true, the ultimate authority that God has set in place. He is our ultimate authority. And brothers and sisters, is your life characterized with obedience and submission to authority? Particularly to the authority of our God? Is your life characterized with such honor and respect of authority that even when they disagree with you, this is made humbly and patiently? When authority makes mistake, are you willing to share that humbly and patiently with them, realizing that you too are prone to make mistakes? Is your life characterized with honoring, respecting authority or with a lack of submission and wishing to put yourself on the throne? But now the last question, why is it so important to submit and obey the authorities? Let's see that in the third point, the purpose, why we should honor. In Deuteronomy 21 When this son rebels against the authority of his parents, this is not taken lightly. This son is brought to the elders, had to be stoned by all the Israelite men. The evil had to be purged from among the Israelites that all Israel could see and be afraid. Disobedience to the fifth commandment was punished very seriously in the Old Testament. That rule was already given in Exodus 21, verse 17, where it says, Anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. That was the rule. On the other hand, obedience to this commandment was blessed. In giving the Ten Commandments, God adds something very special to the Fifth Commandment. The Fifth Commandment says in Exodus 20, Honor your father and your mother that you may live Long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In Deuteronomy 5, the wording is a little different. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. There's a clear benefit attached, a clear blessing attached to this particular commandment. The Israelites have promised that they will live long in the promised land 
if they obey the authorities, in particular their parents. They're promised that things will go well with them if they show true honour to those in authority over them. In other words, there will be covenant blessing if the Israelites obey this covenant command, but curse if they disobey it. But why is honouring authority so important? That disobedience to the authorities was even punished by death in the Old Testament. Why was the young man in Deuteronomy 21 stoned when he rebelled against his parents? Well, first of all, because we must realize that God himself, the ultimate authority, has in his wisdom appointed the earthly authorities. Romans 13 says this so beautifully. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Strong words. Judgment on yourselves. By disobeying authority, belittling authority, God is a true authority in your life. And he gives you parents, bosses, teachers. God places these people in authority. So when we disobey authority, we're disobeying God, rebelling against him. When we slap our boss in the face, we slap God in the face. When we dishonor the policeman, we dishonor God. So disobeying the authorities is very serious stuff. We do call God's judgment down on ourselves when we disobey, when we are not honoring the authorities. But secondly, we must understand that God appointed the authorities for our good. Romans 13 verse 4 says, For he is God's servant to do you good. The Catechism talks about submitting to their good instruction and discipline. And that it's God's will to govern us by their hand. God works everything for our good. For the good of those who love him. That includes the authority he appoints in our lives. The authority is given to us. Not to harm and endanger us. But for our benefit. It's because the world does not take God into account. That they think very little of authority. It's because the unbeliever doesn't accept the authority of the true God. That they struggle, that he struggles to submit to authorities that God has appointed on this earth. But imagine if we did not have authority figures. Would this world not be chaos? Why? We'd have no one to regulate things. To make sure that things are done. We'd have nothing to guide us in what is right. To check criminals. Criminals would indeed rule society. There would be no law and order. We need authorities. They are there for our benefit. There's also a use of the law that falls into that category. The political use of the law. It's there to curb sin. It's like an alleyway keeping us safe. Authorities are there to keep us on that alleyway, to keep us from disobeying and running away from God. Brothers and sisters, we do take God into account in our lives, do we not? 
But how can we not? Do we not love our God and Father for who he is and for what he has done for you and for me? Do we not want to thank our God in our lives for the work of Jesus Christ in bringing us back to himself? For yes, we don't obey the fifth commandment perfectly. We know that also well. We so easily emphasize my rights, my personal rights, rather than submit to the authority of our God or the authorities whom he has appointed on this earth, which is so often the same thing. We so often tend to undermine the importance of the God-given authority of our parents, bosses, teachers, elders, deacons, and ministers. But oh, let us remember, Jesus Christ has died. His death has covered your disobedience, also disobedience to the fifth commandment. And God reaches down to you in his grace to take your guilt away, also the guilt of dishonoring, so that you do not have to be punished with eternal punishment, even though you deserve it. And brothers and sisters, where does that leave you today? How can we respond to the grace of God? Does that mean we keep slapping God in the face by dishonoring the authorities that he's put in place? No way. Let us rather respond with thankfulness to God by submitting to his authority. How can we keep dishonoring God when he has so honored us and blessed us with his son? How can we keep disobeying the authorities that God has set in place when our God has sent us Jesus Christ to die for such disobedience? Brothers and sisters, let us be characterized with honoring the authorities in our life. Let us show love and respect to those whom God has appointed to rule this country. Let's be patient with our teachers, with the elders even when they show weaknesses and shortcomings. Let's in fact encourage those in authority to keep doing their work under God. God has set authorities in place and he did that for our benefit. Let us then willingly and cheerfully honor God by submitting to the authorities so that God too may bless us. Amen.